This podcast is brought to you by StoreMaven. I won't lie, I am an employee at StoreMaven, so I want to tell you a little bit about why it's the greatest company on earth. If you're interested in growing your app in any way, organically, paid, both, we have tools to help you do it, whether it's optimizing your creatives, measuring the success and the effect of different efforts that you're taking, or just telling you what people look for in an app. We're here to help you do it. Last December, we did a big sort of market research thing to understand our target users. And then like the world totally changed. So we just can't use that data. Like can't use that research anymore. I mean, we can use some of it, of course. Like there's a lot of factors at work right now in the world that I think can have an impact on this. And I want to be ahead of them as much as possible. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes, a podcast by Stormaven. We break down how and why mobile apps grow. In each episode, we invite a mobile growth expert onto the show to break down a specific mobile growth strategy, how it worked, why it worked, and what they would do differently. I'm your host, Esther Schatz. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Podcasts. I'm joined today by Lisa Canelli, uh, CMO at Fishbrain. Lisa, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi. Um, yeah, my name is Lisa. Um, as, as you mentioned, I'm the chief marketing officer at Fishbrain. Uh, Fishbrain is an app based in Stockholm, Sweden, and we're a social network and tool and now e-commerce shop for people who love fishing, which is the world's most popular hobby. Amazing. So you have kind of, uh, you know, a whole different range of, uh, of outputs. What are some of the key KPIs that you guys look at that you as kind of CMO, what are what are some of the metrics that you're most focused on when it comes to growth? Yeah, sure. So um, right now I'm actually responsible for the e-commerce side of the business, which is like a new revenue stream and area of focus for us. Uh, so I'm obviously focused on on GMB um, and like commerce sales, basically. That's, that's what I'm looking at is just like the amount of sales we're able to drive, especially since it's a new marketplace that we launched a year and a half ago. Um, so really looking at both like proving that this marketplace works for our audience um, and that we can do it and then just continuing to build, build, build and show that we, you know, can, can make this a real revenue stream. So, so from my perspective, that's what we're looking at. Um, of course, as a, as a larger marketing team, uh, we are looking at, you know, like our overall uh, return on ad spend. That's a big one for us. Um, and, uh, you know, the growth of our um, subscriptions as well. Subscription revenue is very important because um, that's a, we have a premium model in the app, so you can use it for free, but we do have a, a pro version. Um, and so like that's the other revenue stream for us that we look at is the subscription revenue and you know how many new subscriptions we're bringing in, what's the subscription churn like. Um, so yeah, so basically the money, that's what we look at is the money. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, uh, good KPI to optimize for overall. Um, mm-hmm. And can you give kind of a rough idea of scale, you know, around how, how wide is the audience base that we're looking at for Fishbrain? Yeah, sure. So uh, right now we have over 11 million uh, users uh, on the platform. Yeah, the company's been around for about six years. Um, We're focused primarily in the U.S. So it is global. We're based in Stockholm, but our audience is the U.S., which is about close to 50 million people fish in the U.S. every year. It's a really big audience. Um, And so, um, you know, while we do have a presence in like some other countries around the world, you could download fish for anywhere, but the U.S. is where we really focus our marketing efforts just because there's so many people there and also... Uh, so much money is there, right? It's a huge industry, um, which is why we see, again, see this opportunity for like, you know, all the gear you need to buy for fishing. Um, and that's why we've been working on that there. So yeah, um, 
Yeah, and then the, I think the other metric that we talk about a lot is how many uh, catches are on the platform. So because people don't use FishBrain um, to, you know, when you go fishing, you log, hey, I caught a fish here, and here's a photo of it. Um, and you, of course, keep your location private. I know anyone who is an angler will say, I'm not going to tell anyone where I caught a fish. Of course, you always <laughs> can keep that private unless you do want to share it um, or even just share, I caught it in this body of water. I'm not going to tell you where. Um, but we do have uh, over 10 million uh, catches on the platform as well. Um, so that's like very big for us because that's where all of the data comes from. Because with the catches, uh, we can see in all this data about when a fish was caught and how big it was and what gear you use. And then we can feed that back to you as a user. So next time you go fishing, um, you can say, oh, okay, so I should use this, this type of gear uh, in this body of water to catch this type of fish because of what Fishbrain is recommending to me. Amazing. So basically you need people to, you know, kind of log in and, and subscribers and e-commerce, but you also need that feedback back for the technology of the platform that the more people are actually using and sharing back their usage, the more you're kind of able to enhance your own technology. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it is a social network also, right? So it's like the social network that, you know, you get value out of being on it both from a social perspective as well, hopefully from the data perspective, uh, you know, like the data is not, we're not using the data like uh, in a Facebook kind of way to like pump ads at you. Uh, it's more to like, you know, make the the, the um, information and like for those hardcore anglers who really want to know like all these details about fishing, you know, that's what like the data is, is what is worth paying for to you, right? So um, yeah, we want it to be like the data turns into something relevant. I'm, I'm interested to hear a bit about your target audience. So obviously fishing interest is uh, is up there. I'll, uh, I'll out myself as not a fisher, but my, uh, my father-in-law is <laughs> big into fishing not big into his phone. Uh, so I imagine he's maybe not quite the the target audience. How do you guys go about kind of identifying who that is for you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, and I think that is interesting because like, well, I myself am not an angler. Um, my father is, right? Like he fished my whole life. I've always known that like he's, he's into fly fishing as well as other kinds of fishing. Um, and I always say that is proof that this is the world's most popular hobby is that even if you don't fish, every single person I've talked to, this is without fail, says, oh yeah, but my friend, my father, my cousin, my sister, they're so, true. so this is their number one hobby, right? Everybody knows somebody. So like that is really proof of just like how dedicated that is. So in terms of the audience, like, you know, it is quite broad. Um, and uh, what's really interesting about in this past year with the pandemic is that the audience has really grown because fishing was one of the few activities you could do um, that was social distance, right? So people wanted to get outside. They wanted to do something and like you can go fish and you can even do that with another person. And it's very easy to do. You don't, it doesn't feel like forced to keep distance from people. Um, and for the most part, that was possible. Like even with lockdowns, most places didn't restrict fishing. It happened a couple of places, but not too many. Um, so there was a lot of growth that we saw as a platform and also just the fishing industry. We saw that from our industry partners, people who look at participation in fishing in the United States, um, they all saw this increase. So that's really interesting in terms of like how the audience is developing. Um, but in terms of, I mean, how we've grown so far, certainly it was very easy through like, you know, general right Facebook ads. I mean, you could target people who's interested in fishing. That wasn't that hard to do. Um, you know, our audience is quite heavily male. Like it's definitely, um, not only men who fish, certainly like split, not 50, 50, but like there are, and that's a huge growing segment actually of women who fish. Um, but like our audience, a uh, fish brain historically has been pretty heavily skewed male. So like we're able to target based on that. Um, you know, it's definitely like the American um, audience that we're looking at. And it's uh, also very seasonal, right? So f fishing is very seasonal, especially in the United States. Um, in like the Southern half of the United States and Florida, Texas, California, Louisiana, you can more or less fish all year round. But if you are in the northern part of the United States, um, fishing is very, very seasonal. And in the spring and summer, you can fish more. In the winter, 
a few hardcore people go ice fishing, but it's much less common. So, so we also yes. see that a lot in both sort of like the target audience we're going after and then this like the, um, the curve of our usage, right? Like very seasonal. Um, we're trying to level out that seasonality uh, through things like adding gear. Because of course, even if it's the dead of December, maybe you can't go out and go fishing. You're still shopping deals to buy all the fishing gear for the next year. So like there's ways to sort of, you know, make keep the usage high across the year. But for now, it is quite seasonal. So, so going back to the audience, that is like something we look at is sort of, okay, where are people fishing? And then, of course, what kind of fish are they catching? Because all of those things factor, in, factor into um, the marketing approach we use, how we talk about it, and then what the platform is giving them. Um, and that's something I think that's also been a big learning for um, much of my marketing team, um, who many of us are not English, um, is to like realize how distinct that is. Like you can't do... Uh, marketing content about the bass fishing to someone who's interested in fishing for like catfish, right? Or like, um, you know, someone who's uh, fly fishing and then try to, you know, give them content that's about like uh, deep sea fishing, right? Or ocean fishing. Like it's just, it's so different. And so like you, the more effective our marketing is, is when it's much more, uh, this is not a surprise, but like relevant and targeted to like their interest, right? And so um, you know, as we've done more like very state-based campaigns, I'm like, okay, here's a campaign really focused on like the type of water, the type of gear, the type of fish you would catch in Florida. Um, that's going to perform better than a much broader, just like fishing <laughs> campaign. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm curious, you right? mentioned you don't have, you don't have, uh, you're not all anglers in the, in the team. How hard is it to kind of create? I mean, it's, it's very specialized content, right? Like, what do you know about, catfish versus, uh, you know, every other type of fish, if that's not your, your kind of world, how do you make sure that it comes out genuine and that you're actually targeting the right things when it's not your air that you breathe, you know? Yeah, 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 for sure. And I think it's a combination of both like listening to our users for sure. And sort of like learning from them and having to be open to like learning industry and, you know, uh, like I'm going to have to learn this stuff. Right. Um, and like, not just like, a, you know, apply a top level view to it. Um, we also have, we are working on hiring more people without experience. And like I now have two anglers on my team and they're amazing and their insights are so good. It's fantastic to have them. Um, even just to get the language, right. Right. Like to communicate it. And that's another thing. Cause like we're based in Stockholm, but like I'm American. So I can talk like an American. I understand American culture, American marketing. So I can do that, but I can don't talk like the users or talk like our audience does. And so like, we have to combine that sort of knowledge of fishing with also like the knowledge of an American audience and what works for them. Um, so I think it's about, cause I've worked like my previous company was uh, called clue, which was like a female health app. And it was where you can like track your period and like knowing your period's coming, all that stuff. Um, and that was the topic, uh, which like I was personally a user, I was the target user and like, I was really close to it. And that was amazing. But like after doing that for four years, I wanted to go do something where I didn't have a connection to the product because I wanted to bring that objective view. Um, and so like, I think it is helpful that I can be objective, but of course, then I lose something by like not being totally the target audience. And so then I need to like learn. And, and that's something we do as a company, right? We go, we go on fishing trips as often as possible. We go out fishing as a company. Like we do learn, we have to like live the process. So like, you know, you can learn, you can learn <laughs> to fish. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely a challenge though. Um, you know, I think we think about that a lot. Yeah, it's an interesting balance because you're right, you know, when you are very close to the product, I see it a lot also with, um, you know, when we're speaking with specific developers, they're, they're almost too attached to, to even respond to performance in some senses, because they're saying, I don't care that it's showing X, Y, Z, I know, because I feel it, you know, so you do kind of have an advantage oh, yeah. of being able to be, 
database, you have no other, you know, you have nothing else to go on other than data and what's actually working. But on the same side, you have, uh, you definitely have gaps that you need to overcome. And uh, I think it's the big fear. You see it with language localization a lot. Also, when you don't have somebody native on your team, you have that fear and, and it's happened to developers that have accidentally released offensive, you know, kind of completely misguided oh, text yeah. just by not knowing uh, what to say. But yeah. that's really interesting. Um, you actually, you touched on something interesting, um, you know, towards the beginning that actually you guys are seeing a pretty significant spike in behavior this year because of COVID, because of stay at home and, and distancing, which is something that phishing is friendly to. How responsive can you be in terms of, you know, I, you know, you set off your year, we're about to hit 2021. I imagine everybody's setting off their kind of year plans, but then something like this happens and there's a shift to the market. How, how much do you stick with what you know, versus, you know, kind of responding to what's happening outside? Yeah, totally. I mean, and that's like, I mean, while it's going on, you're just sort of like holding on for the ride, right. And just sort of like, okay, it's coming in and it's working. We haven't changed anything. Like this was a good year. And like, let's, when we have time, let's analyze this. Cause like I said, you know, we do have our peak in the summer and then it sort of goes down. Although now that we do e-commerce, you know, November and December are crazy as well. Cause it's like Black Friday holiday season. Um, but now as we're planning for 2021, um, something we're doing as a marketing team, as a company is doing a big market research project where we want to look at like our existing users um, as well as like the market in general of who's not our users and really start to understand, um, you know, thing about sort of, their behavior, has it changed in the last year? Did they start fishing in the last year? Um, you know, basically understanding if like, of all these new people who started fishing, did we really actually capture them? Like, is our spike in users matching that growth that we saw in the industry? I think so, but I want to like verify that. And I want to understand more about these people. Like anyone who joined us in the last year or anyone who's been active recently, who was part of this growth we had, what can we learn about them? So we can like yeah, get more of them, apply it for next year, understand them better. Um, and then also like of that market that's out there who doesn't know about fish brain yet. Okay. Are they planning to keep fishing? You know, what can we provide for them? So basically it's like a very big research project now to just like, we have a hunch about what's the right way to go, but we now need to back that up with data, right? Like data, of course, like I, I want to have the qualitative and quantitative balance. We're doing some qualitative data too. We'll do some user interviews. Um, but to really understand like, yeah, what it, what is that market now? It is totally different. Um, and because we did a big market, we did this a year ago. Last December, we did a big sort of market research thing to understand our target users. Uh, and then like the world totally changed. So we just can't <laughs> use that data. Like can't use that research anymore. I mean, we can use some of it, of course. Um, but we need to understand like this is, there's a lot of new stuff. Um, and especially with like e-commerce, right? Like if anyone who also works in e-commerce, like there's been this jump in the adoption of e-commerce, the uses of e-commerce, like, five years in, the, in in three months or less, like it just massively jump forward. And like, okay, that's a huge part of our business now. What does that mean for our audience? Like um, what is their e-commerce behavior? Like not just for fishing gear, but for anything, you know? And then also on the subscription side, like, okay, uh, you know, we're a subscription service. How many other subscriptions do you have? If maybe because of, you know, the economic situation, your wallet's gotten smaller or tighter, are you still going to pay an app subscription? How many app subscriptions are you going to pay? Like there's a lot of factors at work right now in the world um, that I think can have an impact on this. And I want to be ahead of them as much as possible. Um, so it's both like the audience we have, the potential audience and just sort of the behaviors that they didn't have before or maybe still have, or maybe have changed, like really understanding that. Um, and I think that for me, like as a CMO, that's, that's something I try to look at is like, what is their, 
um, behavior as consumers across the board, not only with respect to like my product, but just in every possible area, because all of those things are going to have an impact. Interesting. So how do you go about, you know, how much, how much can you actually delve into that? Um, you know, is it user surveys every now and again, kind of focus groups, how much can you get that, that full picture of, I know what you're doing inside my app, but I don't know what you're doing elsewhere. How do you flush that out? Yeah. Yeah. So like the way we did it last year, which we're going to basically replicate this year is like, we're going to do a big survey, not too big, but like it's a focused survey. Um, and then we'll use some tools and some partners externally to get it to like a representative sample, hopefully both internally and externally, and then get all the data and then sort of distill the insights out of that. And then, okay. And then what does that mean for our strategy, our tactics, uh, in our brand positioning and our messaging going forward? That's the other thing. Um, you know, if it's like, yeah, and then and then also, what does that mean for our product development? Because if all of the market research tells us that our there's a huge opportunity of a customer that looks very different from our past customers, we got to make sure our product like works for that customer. Um, otherwise, like we can go out and do all the marketing we want and bring them all in with great messaging, but if they hit the app and it's like not matching, right? The red thread isn't there. It's a different product, and they're all just going to be a waste of money and time and effort. So it's interesting because you guys have kind of really distinct behaviors, you know, e-commerce and purchasing something through e-commerce is very different than sharing through kind of social media platform is very different than subscribing to an app. Um, you know, how much do you guys, how much are you able to maintain consistency across the funnel and kind of say, okay, well, the same, you know, efforts are going to work for all of our users versus how much are you going segmented and segmented and what happens if the messages need to differ or even clash in the way you're kind of targeting each each user group each behavior it's that's such a good question i mean that really is the core <laughs> the core thing right because it's like yeah i mean of course like i think when we think about the company vision and sort of like the behavior of our users like these things are all tied together we're not trying to shoehorn in things they don't do like it is all related to fishing these are all things that you as an angler do you buy gear you hopefully, you know, take a picture of your catch and maybe share it. You know, you do look for these places to go fishing. Like all of these behaviors, um, on the one hand, should be cohesive enough because they all do make sense, right? We're not trying to like, and then randomly you go, I don't know, like ride your scooter or something. Like they are connected. Um, but we had struggled with that. And I think we were a little bit naive in terms of like, we added an e-commerce and we're like, oh, cool, they'll come to the app and then they'll buy something. And like, no, they came to the app because they wanted to do something. And then all of a sudden we were trying to sell them stuff on top. And so like, that was a big learning in terms of what amount of sales could be driven from the app at least right away. And that's like definitely education process with the user also integrating that into the experience, you know, to get them there. So that's like a longer journey than we anticipated. Um, we do have a lot of our e-commerce shop is on, is online, right? So we have a website also. So we started as an app and an app for a long time, recently started building up the website for both like SEO reasons and then the e-commerce reasons. Um, and that's a huge opportunity for us as well. And so on the web, we actually can do kind of different messaging, right? Because like the people who find us on the web, especially through search, it's a different type of customer. Um, they're looking for something different. So like that is where the vast majority of our sales come from is for the web. And that's more maybe like deal hunters are searching for something and just want to buy something. And then, okay, what do we do with them? Do we then convert them into app users or like we treat them totally differently? Um, so I think we are kind of trying to still figure out, can we have one holistic message for all of them? Um, do we need to have different messages? Like, if there's a perfect, amazing customer who uses the app regularly, is a subscriber and buys from us, like that's amazing. I want that person, but like, is there going to be millions of that person or are they going to be, what segment is realistic of that person? So like, yeah, I don't have an answer, but it's something we do struggle with all the time. Um, and there's not a lot of products that I think 
like it, I always like to look at like kind of comparators, right? Like who's doing something similar in other space. There's not a lot, there's a few, but it is a challenge like to kind of build that all into one cohesive message and really like answer what is the problem you're trying to solve. Yeah, I see it a lot. I mean, you have kind of the more an app goes all in one, in theory and principle, you're like, I, I have something for everyone. So anyone who has a remote interest in, you know, whatever my genre is, is surely going to find what they're looking for. And yet, when you don't have that kind of specific, really like, this is the need I'm answering right now. And I know exactly what you're looking for right now and how I feel that it can become really, really difficult. I think it's actually, you know, it's, it's amazing that I think it makes a lot of sense to have a website to kind of tackle this very different sort of need and different sort of behavior, which is e-commerce and which is hard purchases. Um, because in the app store itself, there's that huge challenge of, you know, I have one page, I have one single page, and this one single page has to work on this incredibly diverse user and to portray the diverse, you know, how do I know when I highlight the social media side versus when I highlight, it's, uh, it's, the, you know, it's a gift to be able to have all these different routes to go in, but it's also in a way a curse to, to not be able to kind yeah. of narrow in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the vision, right, is like social commerce. I mean, that's what we're trying to get to, you know, is like, you know, that you are buying stuff because it's like, you know, you see what somebody posted a photo of a fish they caught and you see what gear they use and then you can go buy that gear, you know, that your friend recommended. And it's sort of like all built in and the experience all like it seems to make sense. And like that is vision and it's amazing, but like the reality and the technology, it takes a long time to develop that and get there and get the customer there and all that stuff. So, um, you know, it's like we're working towards that vision, but in the meantime, you sometimes have to be really much more just sort of, okay, realistic and concrete and operational. And like at the end of the day, I have to drive sales for like, this month, this week, through any means necessary. So, right. How much do you focus on uh, kind of top of the funnel and bringing users in versus marketing to users who've already kind of downloaded or already made their first their first step into Fishbrain? Yeah, oh, it's a it's a it's a mix for sure. I mean, it was in the last year, um, just the top of the funnel side, for example. It was just in the last year that we were able to start putting some of that marketing budget towards awareness. And not just pure conversion, right? For a long time, it was really focused on conversion. Um, and in the last year, we did a bit in the early part of the year around awareness, which was great because then it did help drive the customer acquisition cost down later on in the year because we'd already sort of like gotten them down the funnel. Um, so we're doing that again this year, which is great and really fun to get to do some sort of just high-level awareness campaigns. Um, so, so basically, it's kind of as we've grown, we've been able to do more of that. Um, but definitely, it's, it's, it is a mix between, of course, we're getting acquiring people, but it's, we, we want to keep the retention, you know, high. And like, that's always the struggle. And that's something the product team works on all the time. Is like, where is that, you know, drop off happening? And like, um, you know, building out our CRM team and our CRM capacity to bring people back and show them the value and keep them active. And um, especially with the seasonality, that is a challenge, right? Because yeah. it's like, yeah, maybe you stop using Fishbrain just because like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, you know, I downloaded it last summer. And I forgot about it this summer. And we're like, what? Come on. You know, it's not like you didn't we make it so wrong. hard. Sort of like, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's that for sure. And then, yeah, with um, something we're focusing a lot now uh, with e-commerce is also with repeat customers, right? Because like if we, you know, um, bring in a customer, if we can get them to come in and then keep buying from us, that's just going to keep eating away at that ad spend and giving us more and more of a return, which is great, much better than us keeping having to get new customers. So like, yeah, there's a huge opportunity there too. So I think it's always a balance. Um, uh, yeah, it's something we, we definitely think about all the time. Um, and also, I think it's an interesting challenge that I'm sure other apps that have been around for a while 
have faced this sort of, you say like, oh yeah, I downloaded Fish Brain five years ago and like it. And it's sort of like, okay, the app is so different now. Like, have you looked at it? We have all these, we fix all the problems with it. Oh, cool. And you have to like reactivate that person. Um, that's also, that's also a challenge. So I'm interested to, to jump back for a second. You talked about awareness campaigns versus performance marketing. Um, how, you know, I think it's something that's much harder to, to evaluate. The goals obviously shift a little bit. How do you go about kind of that evaluation process? Was this successful? Was this worth our time? Um, I think a lot of people default to performance marketing just because that's where you have the you ROI. That's what it, I sure. can prove, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think when we were doing awareness campaigns on, you know, on Facebook or whatever, like, you know, you are able to see, okay, is this someone I hit before? And then I do convert them later. So like, you know, you know, there are ways in which that we can kind of see that to an extent, obviously. Um, like, is this customer known to us? And then at some point, did they get converted? Um, given how much you're able to track them based on everything, you know. Um, so that's part of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it has to, a little bit, I think last year was sort of going on faith and us saying for finance, like, look, we think this is, this is worthwhile and you will see the return later. You have to trust us. Like we've shown we can do this, but like, it'll, it'll pan out in these lower uh, acquisition costs down the road. Um, and sort of having some faith between you. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing, because I think also for us, especially with um, like fishing, so much of that is there's like out of home opportunities. And like in a normal year, there's a lot of stuff in person. Fishing is done outside and there's like fishing tournaments and there's events. And like, there's a huge, I think, awareness opportunity there that again, is super hard to quantify, um, but I think could have a big impact. So like, how do we, how do we start to, you know, do enough of a test have some budget to test on that, that again, like we look, we saw this had an impact, give me more for next year. Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, for me, I also, I think awareness campaigns can be so critical and, uh, it is, it is a challenge to be able to validate that. But if I'm looking at, um, you know, first of all, the whole, the whole concept of organics, you know, an organic download, mm -hmm. nobody wakes up one morning and thinks, Oh, the word fish brain sounds cool. Let me search for it. Like that's, that's not a behavior. You know, they, there's some way you reach them. Um, so there's definitely, you know, it's, it's not, uh, you know, they're not falling from the sky and no, you didn't send directly an ad, but there's an effect there. I'm, uh, you know, my, my hope is that as we look at, you know, kind of changes with the IDFA and the fact that you're not going to be able to track performance marketing the same way we've been comfortable tracking performance mm -hmm. marketing until now that this opens the the door a little bit for this idea of kind of less traditional marketing strategies as well because now you're you're kind of coming up with different ways to be able to evaluate your performance that can encompass you know these less uh easily trackable forms of marketing yeah, it's totally true it's totally true and then another thing actually i should mention in terms of awareness which we're think about a lot is as we've gotten into e-commerce and we work with like brands to you know have the, the products that were available on our marketplace uh you know there's a lot of opportunities for awareness in partnering with those brands, right? So it's like every brand that we sell has somewhere either on their website or in their email marketing, has our logo, mentions us, like doesn't even need to be selling anything. It doesn't even need to be saved. I mean, it'd be nice if they say download fish rates. We're just saying we partner with fish brains, right? Like getting our logo and our name in front of the it's right like a audience, social like proof, that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like that in itself is also like, again, kind of hard to quantify. Maybe you can see some referrals, but like, you know, I see that having this like growing impact on uh, our awareness too. So yeah, absolutely. A huge opportunity. Amazing. So one more question, you know, specifically about Fishbrain right now is if you could go, I mean, you've been three years, has it been, or uh, four years of Fishbrain, you know, if you could go back three years, and, three uh, years in January, three years, yeah. yeah, you could go back and start again. What do you think you'd do differently? Uh, that's a good one. 
um, yeah, I know what I would do differently. I mean, I think when I came in and I start and I started out, um, I kind of came in and was like, let's do a brand repositioning. Let me really understand sort of what our brand messaging uh, and audience is. And I like, I did all the research and like all of that. Like, I, I don't think I did it incorrectly, but like what I came up with was actually turned out to be uh, too far ahead of where the the app and the brand actually was. So basically, uh, where where I wanted us to be two years ago, that's where we are now. Finally, I think in terms of reaching a wider audience, and I really wanted like to get us to this, you know, moving from what we call an avid angler, these sort of hardcore like diehards who really help to build the community, to like reaching that wider audience of people. Um, and like in retrospect, or I realized pretty pretty quickly that like that shift was bigger. Um, and even if I started to see us being ready for that, like it took a lot longer to get there than I anticipated. So um, that was just learning in terms of like some of our marketing went really broad for a while and then we caught quickly that wasn't working as well. So we kind of had to roll it back, go back to that more targeted, more sort of uh, message we were used to doing and then gradually, more gradually get to the point where we can be a bit more broad, um, a bit less like for that habit angler. Nice. Very nice. Okay. We're moving into a quick fire. The questions I ask uh, everyone when they join, uh, don't worry, they're not scary. Um, but first of all, if you could give, uh, you know, any tip to somebody who's just entering, aspiring to enter the world of, of growth marketing, what would that be? Uh, my tip would be, um, learn from other people in the field, like find who is the smartest people in growth marketing, and subscribe to their newsletter and follow them on Twitter and uh, watch them when they do a talk because there are so many smart people in this space and like you should learn from them. I learn from people all the time. So speaking of smart people in uh, in the growth industry, do you have a favorite uh, growth resource that you uh, that you listen into read? Oh yeah, I mean uh, Thomas Pettit, uh, who everyone knows Thomas, right? But like I mean, he's just a genius. And I love that he has a newsletter now um, that I subscribe to. And like, I've known him since I was in Berlin and um, we spoke at a conference together and we would have these like growth meetups with other marketing people in Berlin. And I just love, he's so generous with his knowledge and knows so much and is always available if you need to like bounce ideas and get resources. So yeah, his newsletter is fantastic. Everyone should subscribe. Amazing. Amazing. And uh, I don't know if this is going to be the same answer, but you know, when uh, the world goes back to uh, normal and COVID ends, you get to take one mm-hmm. person in the industry out for lunch. Who do you take? Oh, okay. Can I pick an agency? Can I pick a group of people? I just want to yeah, one person. Yeah, you can pick a group. I'll allow it. Yeah. So like in Berlin, there's an agency called Future and um, they are, you know, ASO and mobile growth consultancy. And I've worked with them as a client at multiple places. I have been a co-panelist with uh, both the founders, with um, Andy and Moritz, and I love them. I think they're brilliant. I uh, would love to go to Berlin and hang out with their whole team because uh, <laughs> I miss that. I miss, I like used to work in Berlin, and, like, you know, I miss that a lot. So that's definitely what I do. And uh, the most important question, what is your favorite type of pancake? Um, I probably should say it's Swedish pancakes, given that I'm here in Sweden um, and I make Swedish pancakes for my kids often, but actually my favorite is probably blueberry pancakes. It's good. Uh, that's a solid American choice. So you're bringing that bit of, uh, <laughs> bit of home with you. Um, Lisa, yeah. where can people find you if they want to, uh, you know, see what else you're up to hear more? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place. Um, and I usually, if I'm doing any kind of blog post or content, I'll usually post it up there. 
that's probably the best place for that. Um, and yeah, you can all check out Fish Brain and recommend it to someone in your circle who fishes because I know you all know someone. So recommend <laughs> it to them. I'm going to have to go. My plan is now after this, I'm going to recommend it to my nephew who will be able to use it on his fishing trips with my father-in-law. That's how we'll uh, complete the circle. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, I've learned more about fishing than I, than I uh, have in a long time. So it was, uh, it was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me. This was fun. And that was Mobile Growth and Pancakes. Find out more about StoreMaven and how we can improve app store performance, visit StoreMaven.com. And then make sure to search for Mobile Growth and Pancakes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at StoreMaven, thanks for listening.